We're continuing on in our discipleship series on the transforming power of life with God. And our scripture focus this evening is going to be in Ephesians 6 and verse 18 in a message entitled Prayers of Supplication. Just by way of a brief review of where we have come from and what has brought us to this point in our study, I've emphasized what it means to walk with God daily and how the Christian life is about life with God. We focused on prayers of adoration, and adoration being the spontaneous yearning of the heart to honor, magnify, and bless God. And then prayers of confession, with confession being the deliberate decision to come before God with our sins. And there are many things that keep us from doing that. Uh, Our own pride and arrogance often keeps us from doing that. Um, Our lack of responsibility for our actions keeps us from doing that. Uh, But we always end up paying a very heavy spiritual price when we don't take responsibility for our lives and for our sins. And prayers of confession are so important in our relationship with God and our usefulness to him. And then prayers of thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is showing gratitude to God for our salvation, for his greatness and presence in our lives, for his sovereignty and his provision over all things. And then we come in this session on with a focus on supplication. Now, it's not a word that we use often, uh, but the biblical words translated most often as supplication mean a request or petition. So basically what we're talking about here is asking God for something. It's technically a noun, but it comes from a verb meaning to plead humbly. It's used some 60 times in the Bible. And I think there are some slight differences between supplication and intercession. When I think about supplication, I often think more in terms of a plea for personal help. Whereas when I think about intercession, I'm thinking about a plea on behalf of another. But we're going to emphasize making a request to God for something, whether it's for ourselves or for someone else, essentially as the same idea but understanding there is a bit of a nuance between the words when you dig a little bit deeper into it. It is powerful when we ask God to do something in prayer by faith. I love the story that comes from Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China and the founder of the China Inland Mission in the 19th century. He spoke often and wrote about the faithfulness of God in answering his prayers. And here's what he said in part. And this builds up to a particular story. He said, I've had all sorts of experiences in all sorts of circumstances. And when I've come to God and pleaded his own promises in his word, I've never been disappointed. I've been in circumstances of great difficulty and have been led to ask him for remarkable help. And then he shares a specific example. I was nearly wrecked when I was going out to China for the first time. Our vessel was becalmed and gradually drifting upon the coast of New Guinea. We could see the savages on the shore. They had kindled a fire and were evidently expecting a good supper that night. The captain said to me, we can't do anything else but let down the longboat. They had tried to turn the head of the vessel around from the shore, but it was in vain. We had been becalmed for several weeks with not even so much as a breeze or any sign of one. And in a few moments, 
we would be among the coral reefs. We would be at the mercy of these people, and they didn't look like they had much mercy. Well, I said, there is one thing we haven't done. Let the Christians on board pray about it. There were four of us. I proposed that we should retire to our cabins and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, ask our father and his father for a breeze immediately. And so they agreed. I went to my cabin and told the Lord that I was just on my way to China, that he had sent me, and that I couldn't get there if I was shipwrecked or killed. And then I was going on to ask him for a breeze, but I felt so confident about it that I couldn't even ask him. So I went up on deck. There was the second officer, the chief mate, a very godless man. I went up to him and said, if I were you, I would let down the mainsail. He said, what do you want me to let down the mainsail for? I said, we've been praying for a breeze and it is coming directly. And the sooner we are ready for it, the better. And with an oath, he said he would rather see a breeze than hear of one. As he was speaking, I instinctively looked up and noticed that one of the sails was quivering with the coming breeze. I said, don't you see the corners of the royals that are shaking? My dear fellow, there is a good breeze coming and we had better be ready for it. Of course, the mate went to work and soon the sailors were tramping over the deck. Before the sails were set, the wind was down upon us. The captain came up to see what was the matter and he saw that our prayers had been answered. And we didn't forget to praise God for so great a signal of deliverance from the perils to which we had been exposed. Many times we don't see the hand of God at work because we lack faith when we pray. We lack obedience and diligence in praying for others. Uh, we lose our way sometimes and don't persevere as we should. But we are called to be a people who pray prayers of supplication and intercede on behalf of others. In our passage this evening leading up to it, the Apostle Paul introduces the full armor of God. And in introducing the full armor of God, he's introducing the importance of being able to stand against the spiritual enemy. He speaks of the belt of truth, the importance of having it buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness, which provides protection, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and the word of God. And then he comes to Ephesians 6 and verse 18. And here's what the scripture says. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. This word request is also translated as supplication. And stay or keep alert, being watchful with all perseverance and intercession. That word is also translated once again, as supplication for all the saints. So we're given this instruction here to pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and to stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Now, when we think about this privilege that we have to pray, we understand that the Bible teaches that Jesus is at the right hand of God continually interceding on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us 
even when we don't know what to pray, even when we don't have the words to offer. And when we pray in the Spirit, it's a call for us to pray with divine help where we are believing that God will hear and we are expecting that God will act. So it requires a true heart, a right soul, and a genuine approach. And we are praying with supplication, with intercession, on behalf of others, and all Christians are called to this ministry. Andrew Murray said, time spent in prayer will yield more than that given to work. Prayer alone gives work its worth and success. Prayer opens the way for God himself to do his work in us and through us. Let our chief work as God's messengers be intercession. In it, we secure the presence and power of God to go with us. So I want to ask and answer this question in the few minutes that we have together. How are we to pray prayers of supplication? We're going to work our way through this short verse that we just read. First of all, we are to pray at all times. We're to pray at all times. We're praying all kinds of prayer at all times. And so the idea of the translation is prayer upon prayer. It's the same idea that we find in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, where the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. Never stop praying. Now, obviously, we've not been called to have our heads bowed continuously, our eyes closed without any change, and our hands folded at all times. But the idea is that we have continual access to God, that as a follower of Jesus, with the indwelling Holy Spirit in your life, you have continual access to God And then you have the promise of assistance from God. Physically, we don't have to think about breathing. It just comes naturally to us as a part of our natural life. Spiritually, we really shouldn't have to think about praying. It should come spiritually to us as a part of our spiritual lives. So we come and we're able to pray at all times because we have continual access to God. We find the idea of access in the scripture several times in the New Testament. We have access into the grace of God. We have access to God the Father. Our access is through Jesus Christ. Our access is by faith. So we approach God in a posture of faith with a position of humility and we offer up prayers to him. Now this takes us back to one of the earlier verses that we looked at when I began this series in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, where the scripture says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer is the key that exercises our access to God. Let me say that one more time. Prayer is the key that exercises our access to to God. Our standing is based on the blood of Jesus. Our invitation is because of his finished work. But prayer is what exercises that privilege. And the grace of God flows in our lives 
through prayer. We have access to the God of the universe. Now, I read an interesting little story about uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, as you know, he's the chairman and the chief executive of Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, he's worth somewhere around $108 billion, give or take. Um, last year, an unidentified person bid on having a meal with him. And they did this eBay auction, and it was for the benefit of a California homeless charity. Bids started at $5,000, but they ended at $19 million with an additional $100 on top of it. So the bidder won an afternoon with Warren Buffett at a private lunch at a steakhouse in New York City. And he's been offering these annually since 2000. Now, as large an amount as that sounds, our access to God the Father was much more costly. When you think about what God did through his only son to give us the freedom to come before him boldly and to be able to pray at all times, it's at an inestimable cost. Hebrews 10 and verse 19 and 20 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is his flesh. So we can come to the sanctuary of God through the blood of Jesus, and we do that through his finished work. Now, I think the idea of being able to pray at all times and the constant access that we have to God is uh, illustrated, at least in part, in this society of constant con connectivity that we live in. Constant connectivity is a feature of contemporary life. In fact, it allows for flexibility in the organization of our time. It allows for creativity and uh, maintenance of personal relationships, at least on some level. Uh, it kind of flattens things out in terms of our geographical access to one another. Uh, it allows us to expand our circles that we wouldn't otherwise be able to expand. And we have this constant connection, along with all of its weaknesses, of course, that past generations did not have in terms of our connection with one another. But our connection with God is by the Spirit, meaning that there are no limits to it. I like what uh, Fanny Crosby, the old hymn writer, wrote in uh, the song, I Am Thine, O Lord, the third verse. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend, when I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend to friend. Think about the life of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was a man who made time to maintain his relationship with God. He prayed three times a day with his windows open to face Jerusalem. He was a man who was involved as a high-ranking official in the empire, and he allowed nothing to change his life of prayer. Even a royal decree that outlawed praying to anyone but the king did not stop him. Even being arrested and being thrown into a lion's den did not stop him, and then God delivered him. If a man like Daniel could set that kind of example for us in hostile territory, then we in hostile spiritual territory 
should make the most of our access to God. And we ought to cultivate our connection with God in our personal lives, in our families, in our service in the church, in our work, in the community, everywhere. We should maintain that connection with Him. But we also have the promise not only of access to God, but we have the promise of assistance from God. And one of the things that God does in our lives through his will is that he answers prayer. He brings certain things about for our good and for his glory. And it's part of the mystery, but God appointed prayer as the means to carry out his work on the earth. So even when we think about, well, how does prayer and the sovereignty of God work together? Prayer and the sovereignty of God go hand in hand because yes, God is sovereign, but yes, God also designed prayer and he expects us that in the spiritual economy, that we are to exercise prayer as we go about following him and doing his will. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was teaching about righteousness in God's kingdom. And he said, listen, you are to ask, seek, and knock, and something is going to happen supernaturally when you ask, seek, and knock. Here's what he says in verse 8 of Matthew 7. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, verse 9, if the son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So mark this down. Prayer is asking in that we're making our requests known to God. The receiving is the reward of asking. Prayer is seeking in that we're searching after God. We're asking God to show us through his word, to guide us through his will, and finding is the reward of seeking. Prayer is then knocking until the door is opened. And entering the open door is the reward of knocking. Adam Clark said that we're to ask with confidence and humility. And we're to seek with care and application. We're to knock with earnestness and perseverance. Now, God does not promise that we will be healthy, wealthy, and problem-free. But what he does promise in this access and assistance that we have from him is he promises to help us and he promises to meet us at our point of need. This is the way John puts it in 1 John 5 and verse 14 and 15. He said, this is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Pray at all times. And then second, how are we to pray prayers of supplication? We're to pray with alertness. The Bible says here, stay alert, be watchful. The word alert means quick to see, quick to understand, quick to act in a particular situation. 
spiritually to be alert means to be ready. And the idea is that we are watching with such alertness that a calamitous tragedy will not overtake us. Remember, this is in the entire context of a spiritual battle. This is the reality of needing to put on the armor and to pray. It's the reality of understanding that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. The struggles that we face, the sin that we encounter, the wrongs that we endure, these are not ultimately of the flesh, they are of the darkness. And because of that, we need spiritual weapons of warfare. And that spiritual, those spiritual weapons of warfare are what are available to us when we pray with alertness. And the Apostle Paul told the Ephesian elders to be alert. He told the church at Corinth to be watchful. He told the church at Thessalonica not to sleep, but to stay awake. He told the church at Colossae in Colossians 4 and verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So we are to be spiritually alert as we pray. Trials and tribulations bring with them a sense of urgency and they cause us to be more alert. I read a story about the Ukrainian population in New York City and according to what I read, there's a community there of at least 150,000 people who are Ukrainian in descent. Thousands actually came to the United States as Christian refugees, most of them being Baptist or Pentecostal under a special asylum, uh, even a long time ago from those who were fleeing from Soviet religious persecution. And this community of Ukrainians who were there in New York City said that as President Vladimir Putin ramped up the war efforts, some took to the streets to join the protest against his aggression. But mostly these followers of Jesus gathered in their churches to pray, to weep, to lament, to sing to God. And here's what they called their songs of praise. They called them their weapons of war. As the nuclear threat escalated tensions, people in the uh, churches were in disbelief about how quickly the situation had spiraled. One church leader told Christianity Today, our minds fail to understand how is this possible in this day and age. God allowed this to happen and we do not know why But we know God is sovereign and he's on his throne. There are people who think that if they kill someone, it will accomplish their goal. And then one worship leader said this. He said, our hope is in the Lord. He's the one who holds things together. No matter how things fall apart, the Lord created this world and he holds all things in his hands. And he played music in a service that he was in and led the worship in tears. But he also told his church family this. Even if a nuclear attack happens, the hope we have is that we will go home and we will be together with Jesus, the one we know will help us. Friends, when you are facing danger, it raises your level of life alertness. It should be the same spiritually because we're engaged in this spiritual battle We're to stay on the alert. We're to put on the armor of God. We're to pray 
with a sense of urgency. I think about Jesus on the night that he was betrayed and arrested. He told the disciples to keep watch with him. And then Jesus went further into the Garden of Gethsemane and there in agony prayed. And when he came back, what did he find? He found the disciples sleeping. And he said, could you not watch with me for one hour? And then here's what Jesus said. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. We've got to be alert as we pray at all times. There has to be a sense of readiness in our prayers. Not business as usual. Business as usual in the age that we live in is not going to get it done. And as we depend on the Lord, we pray with a sense of spiritual alertness. But you might say, what are some of the things that hinder us from praying with alertness? I think one would be a failure to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, To the disciples' credit, they did ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. They saw the significance of it in his life. But some people have not been instructed to the point that they really understand how to pray, the significance of it, and then had it modeled before them to put it into their lives. I think also a lack of faith hinders us because we don't think that our prayers are effective. Sometimes we just don't have the patience, and that causes us not to have faith uh, because God works in his time. He's not rushed. He's never behind. He's never late. He always works in his time. So I say to you that if you feel like you're praying at all times and you're praying with a spiritual sense of alertness and you're not yet seeing come to pass what you're praying for, do not get discouraged when you don't see immediate results because God is far more patient than you are and he will work in his time. And then just the ordinary distractions of life hinder us. It's easy to get busy. We focus on all sorts of priorities. And praying with alertness is not a secondary priority. James points out as well that misplaced desires hinder us in our approach to prayer. He said in James 4 and verse 2 and 3, You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. She said, listen, the reason you're not getting what you want is because you're asking with wrong motivations or you're not asking at all. You want to spend it on yourself. It's a selfishly focused prayer. And sometimes those misplaced desires can get us off track. So we are to stay tuned in to God's work and his will for our lives. And one commentator said this means to pray in light of his power, priorities, purposes, and promises that have been revealed in his word. Pray with alertness. And then third, how are we to pray prayers of supplication? We're to pray for all the saints. So what he says here, pray for all the saints. The main focus here is intercessory prayer. Uh, We've got this common faith. We're fighting a common spiritual enemy. We're in a battle for faithfulness. And in intercessory prayer, you are putting the needs of other people in front of your own. As followers of Jesus, we are not alone. We are part of a spiritual family, and we are to pray for the needs of others in an unselfish expression of love. And the Bible compares prayer with sweet-smelling incense that is rising to the throne of God. 
So you can know that as you're praying, making the most of your access, doing it with a sense of alertness, praying for all the saints, you can know that that is an activity that God is pleased with. God is honored by that. And he will bless your life for it. And interceding for others in prayer was prominent in the Old Testament, I know for sure. And as in all things good, Jesus led in his example of prayer, and he's the ultimate intercessor. In the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, you remember that Jesus prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all future believers. He prayed for his disciples in numerous places in the Gospels. And the word that is used for pray, especially in John 17 and verse 9, means specifically to ask for something. It means to make a request. And then Paul instructed the church that there are to be petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings made for everyone, as he wrote to Timothy at Ephesus. So you say, well, what are some things that we can exercise this intercessory prayer in? Well, obviously, intercessory prayers can be for physical needs, for one. Uh, Provision for others is also included in that category, I believe. Uh, Health is an obvious uh, part of this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So God wants us to pray for physical needs. He wants us to pray uh, for our daily bread. He wants us to pray uh, for his healing hand upon us. And then he does as he sees fit. I think intercessory prayers can then also be for spiritual needs. Here's some things we're praying for in the church. This is what you ought to be using and interceding on behalf of other believers with. You ought to be praying for spiritual growth and sanctification so that people will not be immature in their faith and act in ways that are not holy or helpful. We ought to be praying for people's sanctification and growth and likeness of Jesus. We should be praying for encouragement and joy and uh, our walk with God, for discernment and direction, for unity in the church, for growth in the church. All of these things fall into this category of spiritual needs. So we pray for physical needs, we pray for spiritual needs, and then intercessory prayers can be for situational needs. Sometimes we get in a crisis situation. Sometimes something's going on with a family member. Something's going on that is the only thing that matters at that moment. It, it, the, the, uh, the level of concern is a 10 on a scale of 10. And we pray for those situational needs. And we ought to bring other bro- brothers and sisters into that circle as well to pray for that um, when we face those situations. Intercessory prayers can be for our community, our state, our nation, and our world. So we're broadening out our prayer needs to not only include physical and spiritual and situational, but also the needs that we see around us. And we're praying ultimately that God's kingdom and mission would be carried out in the world, that the gospel would advance. Paul asked for prayer for that in numerous occasions. And Intercessory prayer should also include congregational prayer, where we come together collectively, not just individually, and we pray. So the practical application of this is very important. Pray in faith, or otherwise don't pray. Pray believing that God can and will answer.
Pray specifically. Pray for the needs of specific people and specific things that God is doing or that you're asking him to do. Name it and say it specifically to the Lord as you ask. And pray with perseverance. Don't give up. Even when you perhaps get an immediate answer to a situational need, don't let down on your alertness. Because whatever it was that brought you to that point of a situational need could rear up again, rear up again and become an even greater problem. And you want to continue to thank God for what he's done immediately to relieve the pressure. But then you also want to ask God to continue to do a work, uh, whatever that case might be. So here's how I organize my, and I'm going to give you this quickly, but here's how I organize my own uh, prayer journal on a daily basis. I have a category for uh, daily uh, immediate needs of things that I'm learning and praying for and reading this in the scripture, and I'm writing those things down. I have a category where I'm praying for specific things for my own family and praying for them by name and praying for the things that are before me on that. And then I have a category uh, for the church, and I have an ongoing uh prayer list that I keep up with and I'm able to mark down answered prayers and continued prayers and and added prayers and everything that goes along with that. And that's always a fairly large uh, list. Uh, And then I'm praying for the mission of God, the kingdom of God more broadly in the things that we're involved with. And that also branches out to prayers for the world. And that's how I think about it categorically uh, from my own uh, prayer journal on a daily basis. We are to pray for all the saints. So why do we pray with prayers of supplication? Because the Lord taught us to. That's why. He has told us to pray without ceasing. I like what Terry Johnson says in his work, The Parables of Jesus and Christian Focus. He said, don't toy with prayer. Don't pray one day for this and then the next day for that and then not pray. Don't play at it. Don't just pray when you feel like it or when it happens to occur to you. You know what it is to be devoted to something. Focus your attention and your energy on prayer and keep at it. Prayers work. Let me tell you why in part prayers work. It's work because we come into the presence of God. And there's nothing hidden in his sight. It's work because God is shaping us and molding us to be like him through it. And that's sometimes painful. And it takes time. And it requires perseverance. And he's teaching us as much about him and our relationship with him as he is the answer to our prayer. And it's work because it is a spiritual battle. Devil's happy with you doing virtually anything except praying. Because in praying, what you're doing is you're calling on the power of God. You're leaning on Him. You're trusting in Him. And when God is at work, no one can withstand Him. No one can overcome Him. So I want to encourage you, don't live your Christian life in the flesh and not in the Spirit. Because the Spirit is where eternal life is to be found. 
And God works through us in our physical realm and through our flesh. But the ultimate work he's doing is by the power of his spirit in our spirit. Let's bow our heads together as we reflect on what we've just considered. Father, forgive us for business as usual praying, convenient praying, selfish praying, impatient praying. And help us to understand that you've called us first and most importantly of all to a relationship with you. And the very life of that relationship, the very heart, the very dynamic of how we relate to you is through the indwelling presence of your spirit, the truth of your word, anchored in our Savior Jesus and praying and communing with you at all times. May this be so in our lives. And I pray it would be so not only for us individually, but for our families and for our church collectively. And I pray that we would see your hand at work in such a powerful way that we wouldn't take the credit for it. We would know that all good is from you and we would look around us and we would say only God for your glory and for our good bless us to that end and we ask it in Jesus name amen